It's the Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucratic the power to make rules about what we inject into our body. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. You were made for this moment and uh, live with intention. Thank you to this team that I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Cannot believe that it is Thursday, producer Steve. I don't know where the time goes. I I guess I stopped trying to figure it out. (laughs) It goes quickly because um, there's so much to do, but blessings to all of you out there. Check out our website. It's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Uh, all of our the recaps and podcasts of our shows are there. And sign up for our weekly email newsletter. comes out on Sunday. You'll get first look at the upcoming guest as well as our most recent op-eds. And we've been so busy with other things. We haven't done a lot of podcasts, but uh, we've got a lot of great ones there. So check those out. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And I really appreciate all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Remember, if something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And um, we've got a great show planned today. We're going to be talking with Lisa Bennett in the second segment. She is with Wild Skies and uh, wanted to delve into this uh, mountain lion cougar Uh, legislation that was introduced last week. So we'll talk to her in the second segment. And then uh, Dan Eberhardt with Canary USA. He's in the oil and gas industry. We'll talk about Biden's energy policies because they are affecting all of us. And uh, one of the great sponsors of both shows is Hooters Restaurants. They have five locations, Lone Tree, Westminster, Aurora, uh, Loveland, and Colorado Springs. And they have, uh, they're keeping the line right now on their $10 burgers. Uh, and they have a mushroom Swiss burger, bacon blue burger, Southwest burger, the Western burger, mac and cheese burger, or a Cali burger. And they also have a lunch punch program. And so be sure and check that out. Uh, let's go over to our quote for the day. And uh, I think that you knew him in school, didn't you, uh, Producer Steve? This is Aristotle. You are playing with fire, but, you know, carry on. (laughs) Okay, Aristotle, he was a philosopher, a Greek philosopher. During the classical period in ancient Greece, he was born in 384 B.C., died 322 B.C. And actually, you had sent one over, and I wanted to highlight that. And then I had another one as well. The one you sent over from Aristotle was, The most perfect political community is one in which the middle class is in control and outnumbers both the other classes. And, of course, the other classes would be the rich or the poor, right? Yeah, that's the point. And the other, I, as I, I was looking at other quotes by him, he said this, Be a free thinker and don't accept everything you hear as truth. Be critical and evaluate what you believe in. And Steve, he wrote those words so many years ago, but they're so applicable to today because human nature does not evolve 
Human nature is the same generation to generation. We have the same struggles regarding freedom versus force. And those that the, um, those PBIs, those radical activists, politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties that think they can social engineer human nature, we can see it is a an abject failure. Those of us who are used to dabbling in the last 30 plus years of uh, you know, computer software, the initial release is one dot something, and there's revisions that, that go along the way. So you have, you know, revision one, release, or I'm sorry, release one, revision number three or four. But human nature is still re, uh, the original release. It hasn't changed a bit. It has not changed a bit at all. Um, there's a lot to get through, but let's go to the bill of the day first so that we're sure that we, we hit that because Patty is really really been staying on top of this and there's two that that died and they were trans um things regarding transparency and the first one was uh, let's see there we go it says uh the first one was senate bill 22061 um by senator dennis uh is it hissy or heisey we need to find that out heisey i think it is i would go with heisey heisey okay republican from fountain and it would have added that the Office of Saving People Money on Health Care to the list of departments that need to comply with the State Measurement for Accountable, Responsible, and Transparent Government Act, the SMART Act. And it establishes a performance management system, supposedly, to better allow the public, the General Assembly, the governor, and the state departments to assess, manage, and improve the administration and performance of state programs. But guess what? It says the Office of Saving People Money on Healthcare. This sounds like something out of Atlas Shrug, but it is notable due to its director, Lieutenant Governor Diana Primavera, makes a combined one hundred forty, one hundred eighty-four thousand dollars across both of her salaries. The bill was considered a priority Republican bill as part of our commitment to Colorado package, and it died three to two. Three Democrats voted to kill it, and of course the Republicans. Uh, voted for it. And those uh, Democrats were Senator Julie Gonzalez, Democrat Denver, Senator James Coleman, Democrat Denver, and Senator Sonia Joaquez uh, Lewis, Democrat Boulder. Voting in favor of the bill were Senator uh, Jerry Sonnenberg, Republican from Sterling, and Senator Cleve Simpson, a Republican from Alamosa. And I'm disappointed, said Senator Heisey. We are creating office after office with no accountability to the taxpayers. We have no idea if we're getting any value from this increased bureaucracy, and Democrats are apparently unwilling to find out. And I think we all know why. So that's pretty pretty uh, right to the point on that, Steve. It is, and we said pre-call that this, their attack is almost two-pronged. Number one, they're always looking for ways to get around Tabor, Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. But then this transparency thing, what they they don't seem to have a, a a commonality, or they can't get on board with transparency. They opine that they are uh, want more transparency, but they do not. And actually, the radical activist um, Democrats, what they want is a permanent government that is not uh, accountable to anybody. But they want to continue to tax everyday people more to run that government. But they do not want any accountability, and this is this just really shows it. And then Senate Bill twenty two zero three eight is uh, sponsored by Senator Jerry Sonnenberg, Republican from Sterling, and this was regarding that hospital uh, provider fee that it would actually have to be noted on your hospital bill when the 
legislation was passed, now I can't remember what year it was, but uh, on that, uh, uh, they they actually put in that legislation that that did not have to show up on your hospital bill. So no transparency on that. But uh, the government, again, was receiving more money because of that fee. And this would have put transparency on that. And again, that died. Uh, it was killed in committee on that, Steve. I, again, not very well versed in that particular one. With When that fee shows up, in terms of the... The individual who's being billed, uh, or does it maybe get paid through that individual's insurance? So it would be paid by the insurance company, to my understanding. But So it's part of the, the complete bill, but you just don't see it as something itemized on there. They've hidden it. You think? And uh, and, and so our insurance costs more? Well, that's, that's where I'm going. What, what do the insurance companies have to say about this? Well, they, or they do just, they care? They just raise their rates. Okay. And uh, so, but again, this this transparency bill also died in committee. So I, I see from a strategic standpoint, what we're seeing is, is the Republicans are running these bills on transparency, which is putting Democrats on record uh, of what they really are doing instead of what they say they're doing. And so I, I understand it's a, it's a good strategy to at least get that on record, Steve. Well, again, I, I can't figure out where they're coming from. What What is it that they have against transparency in terms of good, gov- good government? And you've already probably answered my question, is that their, their utopian picture of government isn't the same as you and me. No, it is a, a, a permanent government, bigger and bigger, that lives off of the people, but has no accountability, no transparency to the people. Um, there's a lot of names out there for that, and it certainly isn't a constitutional republic, and uh, and it's certainly not a representative government either. And I th- I think that people are waking up. Um, we we've got work to do here regarding our elections, as we see through the packet. Uh, uh, let's see, I think it was Pennsylvania that uh, a court just recently said that their um, mail-in ballots were not legal and and this whole mail-in ballot now uh and, and and the reason is is because it was put in place i think by bureaucrats and interested parties instead of the state legislature which is supposed to be in charge of elections here in colorado the state legislature did say that we're going to have mail-in ballots here in colorado i think that was back in 2014 so quote unquote it's legal but I'm not sure that we could say that it is right because we have all kinds of opportunities for funny things to go on with these mail-in ballots. One of them is not cleaning up our voter rolls. And once again, if we are all on the same team and we want free, fair, honest elections, we would have a secretary of state that would want to make sure that we have clean voter rolls. And one has to ask, why are they not working to make sure that we have clean voter rolls? Why are not they not being transparent? And so the veil is coming off on what is happening here in Colorado. Colorado has been at the tip of the spear for many of these things that have been occurring. And uh, we've got a, a big battle here for Colorado, but it's also a big battle for um, America through free, fair, and honest elections, Steve. Well, the, the, the ball got rolling, as we learned last week, uh, regarding Roe versus Wade. 
the ball got the, the ball got rolling back as early as 1967. This isn't what we are seeing here today. Isn't necessarily something new. When you talk about Colorado being the petri dish of these types of activities, these types of ideas, it, we have a long reputation for it. Well, we do, and you're referring to the recent op-ed that Patty wrote of, did you know that Colorado was the first abortion state back in 1967? So this was uh, this was six years before, before Roe v. Wade, so that's what you're referring to. Um, we're getting pretty jammed up here on time, but there's just a couple of things I wanted to comment on. And the first one is the payroll numbers came out. Uh, I think it was yesterday, and they're terrible. And the headline, this is from Reuters, it said, U.S. private payrolls fell for the first time in a year in January as soaring COVID, and now they say, soaring COVID-19 infections disrupted business operations, raising the risk of a sharp decline in employment that would deal a temporary setback in the labor market. The headline on this, Steve, so bottom line is our payrolls fell, which is terrible. And But this was the headline, Omicron depresses U.S. private payrolls in temporary setback to labor market. This is very serious of what is going on with our economy. And that headline really looks like it's trying to softball what is really going on. And I thought it was important that we mention that, Steve. It is. And if, if payroll is, is falling, that obviously means, uh, what's the word for that? Disposable income is not there. People not, you know, spending money, making the, you know, fueling the economy. So there's all kinds of cross connections going on here. And again, these softball articles headlines. like this one are headlines. They, they just don't get to the real point. They don't. And so, and, and with that, people don't really understand what's going on. Two other things that are very remarkable that um, happened yesterday, and that is Jeff Zucker stepped down uh, from the helm of CNN. And there's all kinds of, well, they they say it's because he had an inappropriate relationship with uh, one of his colleagues. Uh, it, It could be really because CNN had such terrible ratings, or it could also be with this whole Chris Como lawsuit thing, uh, which I think that's probably more of the reason for that. And then Whoopi Goldberg, because of her comments regarding the Holocaust, was um, suspended from The View for two weeks. And so it's rather remarkable, these these icons that seem to be uh, at the very top of entertainment actually are vulnerable. And I had a friend that called yesterday, and she said this is very hopeful, and this is very amazing. So I, I just wanted to comment that there's something very interesting going on in America right now, Producer Steve. Well, the, one of your favorite phrases is the veil is off, and maybe, you know, I, I, is CNN a publicly held company? If it is, uh, there, is there any mystery to what might be you know going on there? But the same with Disney slash ABC. Uh, I don't think uh, Disney hesitated for a heartbeat to uh, tell ABC, you need to do something with her. So a two-week suspension, now they're floating the concept that she might get totally canned. I don't know. Interesting. And CNN is part of AT&T's Warner Media. just to make a quick note on that. Let's go to break, though. I want to talk with Lisa Bennett regarding this mountain lion cougar bill. It is, uh, I think it was Senate bill. I had it right there. Um, I'll get it before we go back, come back. But we'll be right back with uh, Lisa Bennett. Stay tuned. With the federal government printing money, it looks like inflation is on the horizon. That is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage. 
Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group is here to help. Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. On the line with me is Lisa Bennett, and she is an outfitter. They they own Wild Skies uh, here in Colorado, and I wanted to talk with her about this uh, Senate Bill 31, which is um, basically a ban on mountain lion um, hunting, from my understanding. Is, is is that correct, Lisa? Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me on. Um, I was thinking about this, and it seems like we see this theme where radical activist Democrats want to protect the predators, or we see criminals, and... Um, and um, don't really think about the potential victims of these predators. Uh, so tell us about this Senate Bill 31. Well, let's take a step back and start at square one. You know, our Constitution is set up for the people to have a voice and influence in the lawmaking process. So both the Colorado Division of Wildlife on a state level and the Forest Service on a national level have processes in place for all users to be able to give feedback and input to decisions made by government officials that work in those offices which oftentimes, if not always, includes scientists, specifically biologists, who've spent an enormous amount of their careers working on these issues. So Senate Bill 31, which would ban hunting mountain lions and other predator cats, is a result of groups like the Humane Society, who are well-organized and funded and have been very successful most of the time in their lobbying efforts. But when they can't get career scientists or biologists, like in this case at the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Office, to do their bidding, then they take it to the next level, which is to not only um, move up to the state legislators and try and get them to pass a law, but when that fails, taking it to the general public. But... If it goes to a ballot initiative with the general public, um, then your phone calls to your legislators don't mean anything anymore, or your emails. What happens then is we've got to educate the general public, hence the reason why I'm on the phone right now. And and just to clarify with your audience, um, we're not outfitters, and we actually don't do any business with mountain lion hunters at all. So I don't have a pony in this race. Um, Mine is just to be a conservation activists and get the word out to educate people on how Senate Bill 31 actually impacts the agriculture industry in Colorado. And so uh, that's the main impetus for, for me trying to get this information out there. But we have to contend with the fact that the majority of people, whether it's our state legislators voting on a bill or the general public voting on a balloted initiative, are not sportsmen. They mostly live in urban areas that are unaffected by these bills, and they're unaware of the ramifications or repercussions of a bill like this passing. And quite often, groups like the Humane Society are really good at marketing, and I guess I'll even call it propaganda, 
um, that worked tirelessly mostly to raise funds to implement their legislation, not necessarily help the animal that we're talking about. So too often the majority of voters are unaware and they base their decisions on emotions or lobbying efforts and not the facts. And this not only alienates the sportsmen that spend a lot of money in Colorado, not just on hunting licenses that support our Division of Parks and Wildlife, but they also put other species like livestock and domestic pets at risk. And it's well documented that responsible hunting and wildlife management is the most effective conservation model. And by moving the decision on how to protect wildlife into the hands of career politicians or the general public um, leads to placing those decisions into the hands of non-experts and non-stakeholders who often have been lobbied or influenced by groups that have an agenda like the Humane Society. And most often those voters, as we know in Colorado, don't live anywhere near the repercussions of a bill like this. So they live in Denver, Boulder, Front Range areas. Uh, the population there way outweighs the population um, up on the mountains, and they make a lot of decisions that impact us. Okay. And Lisa, first of all, uh, I want to make that correction. I had, I had looked at your, your website, Wild Skies, and I clearly I sound like a city girl because I don't get my definitions correct. But really, your focus, your vacation, cabin, snowmobiling, cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, hunting, fly fishing, horseback riding. I, and so that is different from outfitter. So I apologize that I did not say that correctly, Lisa. Yeah, no, no worries. I just wanted to make that clear so people didn't think that I had an economic uh, right. incentive for being against this bill. So. Well, and uh, I had actually seen a picture, Lisa, that somebody had posted on Facebook of uh, their uh, ranchers and farmers out on the western slope, and one of their pregnant cows had been attacked by a wolf, and the cow was still living but had been wounded significantly and probably was going to die. And people here on the front range don't even think about those kinds of, of things that are happening, uh, you know, in our... Uh, on the western slope on this but ultimately this can start to affect i think our food supply as well and and it increases cost and i think it can affect our our food supply but i just wanted to make that comment if the bill passes what will be the cost to colorado well there are a lot and specifically bills that deal with predators like this have big ramifications for ranchers who, like you said not only could lose livestock which is not really the main factor, but an, an ancillary one that just adds on to all the other ramifications. And it makes it really difficult for ranchers to stay in business. So like you mentioned, you have the cattle loss, but you also, a lot of people may not know, your, your listeners, that these ranchers, sometimes the margins are so thin on ranching and the property taxes and all the other expenses they incur in the business, it, it, they can't make enough to make a living on ranching alone, and they have to supplement their income with outfitting opportunities. And so this hurts their supplemental or potential supplemental hunting income, not necessarily because the ranchers themselves are outfitters that are hunting mountain lions, but based on the number of acres they have, the Colorado Division of Wildlife lets them apply for landowner vouchers and they could apply if they have a mountain lion issue for those, and then those can get sold for a profit to out-of-state residents who are willing to pay a premium 
to purchase those licenses to go mountain lion hunting because, as we know, although cougars are spreading across the U.S., um, the hunting is primarily out in the West. So they lose that, and they also lose the fact that if these lions aren't hunted, then your predators increase around your livestock. So all laws and initiatives that are backed by these animal rights activist groups, um, they're, if they pass, they're going to require that the taxpayers foot the bill to manage predators like these mountain lions in their habitat. Right now, Colorado uses hunting revenue to help offset those costs so that the taxpayers in Colorado don't have to foot the bill themselves. But the activists are so good at raising money to pass these bills or ballot initiatives like the Wolf Initiative that passed a couple years ago. But then taxpayers are on the hook for everything else. So when hunters are no longer allowed to hunt mountain lions, guess what? There are still hunters that hunt those mountain lions because the Division of Wildlife still has to keep the numbers in check. But now the state taxpayers have to pay for professional hunters to come in not these enthusiastic sportsmen who want to be able to, to help with the maintenance of the mountain lion population, but professional hunters are paid to come in to call the herds. So without management, um, we're going to have a lot of issues and a lot of additional expense, not just to ranchers, but to every single taxpayer in Colorado, and most people don't realize that. That, that money that is raised by sportsmen who buy those licenses it not only helps with mountain lion habitat, but it also balances herd numbers for species that in Colorado and in the West are in dramatic decline. We've got issues with wild sheep, mountain goats, mule deer. All these animals have foundations because of detrimental effects. Some of them have to do with diseases. Some of them have to do with predation, especially mountain lions. I think there was a study, oh gosh, I can't remember what year it was, but it was in the Journal of Wildlife Management, and it said that 68% of predator-caused mortality in California mule deer, and as we know, or if your listeners don't know, back in 1990, California banned mountain lion hunting, but 68% of predation on mule deer was the handiwork of mountain lions. Mule deer are the primary target for mountain lions, and the results of lower mule deer numbers are that predators like mountain lions start heading towards subdivisions where, you know, we always find our mule deer eating our flowers in our yard. I complain about that because I'm in a subdivision, and that puts them in greater risk for conflicts with humans as well. So unchecked populations of mountain lions um, pose a threat to people as well as herd animals, which include livestock like sheep, cows, in addition to elk and deer. So livestock losses to mountain lions are a serious issue, especially in California. And if mountain lion is banned here in Colorado, you can definitely expect that livestock predation is going to increase and that mule deer numbers are going to decline. And there you go in that vicious cycle. If mule deer numbers decline, then you're going to have less hunting licenses issued by the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Division. And then non-hunters, well, I shouldn't say non-hunters, and then there's going to be less licenses and less revenue from hunters, whether they're in-state or out-of-state. And non-hunters don't seem to understand that, that when populations of animals decline, less hunting licenses are given. Well, this is so complicated, but you're doing a great job on uh, all the different ramifications. Lisa, we're out of time, but I would like to get you booked again because there's more information that we need to talk about. But I'm just also thinking, as um, you said, that, that mountain lions 
um, like mule deer. Mule deer are the, the, the deer that are in our populated areas. And as, as the mule deer population goes down, it, it seems that then there would be more risk to pets and, uh, and, you know, other things in these areas. Am I making a correlation, correct correlation there as well? Um, if you're talking about the western slope, you are, because the mule deer are find, found all throughout subdivisions in the western slope. That's primarily their habitat. So, yes, that is correct, and there is so much more to talk about. So I'd love to come back on the show. You'll just have to let me know when. Okay, we will get you booked on that. And this is Lisa Bennett, and she is, uh, Wild Skies is her Colorado Mountain and Riverfront vacation cabin with all kinds of things there. Lisa, uh, we have so much more to talk about, so we'll get you scheduled because we need to continue to shed light on this very bad Senate Bill 31. Thank you so much. Thank you. And on the line with us is a, a great sponsor of both the shows, Karen Levine with Remax Alliance. Karen, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about regarding what's going on with uh, Louisville and Superior with these uh, Boulder County Marshall fires. And I think that uh, we, we don't really have time to delve into it, but I, I see that people are somewhat frustrated now with government, with all kinds of rules and regulations on how to rebuild. Have you had a chance to, to see anything uh, on that yet, Karen? Well, I took a brief look at the article you shared, and um, the article definitely expresses the concerns as a realtor community that we have had previous to the fire, which is the cost of regulation in housing and why housing is so expensive nationwide. Um, Then you add the supply chain issue to the scenario. Then you add a fire to the scenario with the loss of a 1,000 housing units and um, because of government policy, uh, these victims are going to be struggling to be able to rebuild. Well, and so we're going to talk more about that, particularly when you and Lauren are in studio. But I, I love the fact that the National Realtors or Association of Realtors wants to help Colorado. And you've been on the show to talk about it, but wanted to re-remind people that there is still money available to help them, Correct. Correct. So the Colorado Realtor Foundation received $2 million from the National Association of Realtors um, from their relief fund, and those funds are available to help uh, these victims with rent payments and mortgage payments that are having to be made on non-existing residents because they have those obligations and they're waiting for their insurance dollars to come in, etc. So Call me or go to coloradorealtorfoundation.org, put in your application, and maybe we can get some of those costs covered for you. Well, and that, I just, I'm just trying to think about how terrible you've lost your home and you still have to make payments on it. It's, it's, uh, so it's great that there's help out there. And again, people can give you a call on this as well, correct, Karen? Exactly. They can reach me at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. And I know that one of my colleagues, I think, uh, connected with you. They're helping five different families, and hopefully they're in the process uh, on that as well, Karen. Yes, getting their grant uh, applications in, and then the committee will be sitting down and looking at those and getting those funds um, awarded out. 
Okay. Great. Thanks so much, Karen. We will talk to you next week. And again, that's Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance, 303-877-7516. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with uh, Dan Eberhardt regarding uh, Biden's uh, energy policies. Stay tuned. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Americans Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, Sunday afternoons at 3, here on KLZ 560 AM and KLZ 100.7. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at Kim com as well. Um, I wanted to go through just a few other headlines here. Uh, and the first one, and Patty's been doing a lot of really great work regarding our stats on uh, hospitalizations here in Colorado. And she's uh, doing a daily report on this. And 17% of available hospital beds occupied by confirmed and suspected COVID patients and of those, 430 are vaccinated and 765 are unvaccinated. So that means that 36% of people in the hospital are vaccinated. Uh, while Polis uh, just a month ago said that the state had not gone over two, 200 vaccinated patients. Now it's, uh, it's over double that number. And 45% of facilities are anticipating staff shortages within the next week. And 29% of the facilities in are anticipating ICU bed shortages within the next week. But uh, I, I think it's just important to understand those numbers, the narrative out there that if you're vaccinated, you um, might not be as sick with COVID. Maybe that's true, but I don't know of any studies out there. But clearly there are people that are in the hospital that are vaccinated as well. So that takes us over to the Daily Wire just reported that a John Hopkins study says lockdowns had little to no effect on COVID-19 mortality, but had devastating effects on society. It's a working paper from John Hopkins University. And it's to uh, claims that the COVID-19 lockdowns imposed by a variety of governments worldwide had little to no effect on COVID-19 mortality. The study published by the Institute for Applied Economics, Global Health, and the Study of Business Enterprise conducted and by three professors from around the world found that lockdowns imposed enormous economic and social costs and are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. It says, according to the study released this week, lockdowns were defined as the imposition of at least one compulsory non-pharmaceutical intervention. They called it an NPI. Uh, 
And NPIs are any government mandate that directly restrict people's possibilities, such as policies that uh, limit internal movement, close schools and businesses, and ban international travel. Uh, I think that that's very telling, Producer Steve. It is. I'm sorry. I was still trying to get your next guest up here, but uh, so but I was following along, and it it just where have we been with this in two years? In this constant battle of information and data that just doesn't seem to line up, and I think people are are, are leery of it now. They're getting tired of it, and. You got to go back and say, what is the motivation here? Well, and and I think we're all really wondering that still. And and I I think that the truth is is coming out on this. I, I wanted to mention just a couple of other headlines here. KDVR here in Colorado reports that uh, Colorado lifts the vaccine mandate for large metro area events, and then Tri County on Monday is to consider ending the indoor mask mandates. And uh, it's taken a long time as that meme that you had found. The most difficult part about two weeks to flatten the curve is the first two years. Uh, I think more and more truth is coming out. I I see, and and if people decide to get a vaccine, they go out and search and, and do all their research and have informed consent to get the vaccine. That is freedom. That is America. But I have a, a good friend that is being threatened with uh, um, losing her job because her company will not accept a medical exemption, even though she's had COVID and has the and, and natural antibodies. When we get to those kinds of mandates, people are saying, wait a minute, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And um, so we're seeing, I think we're seeing re- responses to people questioning what's going on with all of this well you got you know look at all the 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 tools or the weapons arrayed against us mandates um but also what i just thinking of uh geez mandates is obviously the one that's in the news like what's going on in canada right now uh but uh the other things oh the uh the brow beating the the president loves to make these really caustic remarks about the unvaxxed so there's just no limit. The sky is the limit to what they will try to do to get people to comply. Well, and, and you uh, alluded to the the whole uh, truckers and Trudeau thing up above um, in Canada. Uh, find this so interesting that, first of all, Trudeau goes into hiding. And that's what tyrants do. That's what they're cowards. When it comes down to actually having to, to explain their policies and be responsible for their decisions, they're cowards. And that is what Trudeau is here. He's gone into hiding. And the truckers in, in Ottawa, uh, you mentioned that uh, that there's been, there's been a GoFundMe for all of these truckers for fuel and and uh, they've raised ten million dollars, and now what? GoFundMe is uh, wondering whether or not they're they're like they're going to take a look at it. And that that's I didn't think that was GoFundMe's job to take a look at why people were raising money. I thought it was just a, a platform where people could do that. But uh, again, we know that they do lean left, and that they have shut down different platforms if they they thought that. Um, within their definition that it was not a worthy cause well you you have a nose for this kind of stuff and my hat's off to you because i only thought gofundme was just a, you know standing back and saying we're rather astonished by racking up 10 million dollars in just a short time frame and we want to make sure that the money you know we're set up to direct the funds back to where they're supposed to go but you have 
raise this fear, this concern, which I think is, unfortunately, I guess I need to be more, you know, less Pollyannish, I guess, that says that maybe there is something nefarious going on here with GoFundMe. I hope not. <laughs> well, I think maybe what you're alluding to is I am getting somewhat cynical here uh, day by day, and maybe I need to come back and and not be quite as cynical. But after I've watched what's happened over the last two years, it's difficult to not be cynical, uh, Producer Steve. Well, okay, <laughs> let's let's be fair here in terms of GoFundMe's responses. Recent events in Ottawa, Canada, have generated widespread discussion about the Freedom Convoy Freedom Convoy 2022 fundraiser on GoFundMe. We wanted to provide clarity around the actions that our global trust and safety and customer care teams take every day, just as we, uh, just as they have the Freedom Convoy fundraiser GoFundMe, you know, they wrote in part. They're also saying, as the activity surrounding the protest evolves, we have been monitoring the fundraiser to ensure the funds are going to the intended, intended recipients and yada yada. You, you get the idea. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. GoFundMe has, uh, uh, I just find, that, that, what what did you say that was, their, their global like response team or something like that? Yeah. Again, that makes uh, makes me very cynical on, on those things. But, Steve, let's go to break. Uh, and when we, we come back, hopefully we'll talk with Dan Eberhardt. If not, we'll go through some more of these uh, uh, the headlines that we have here. But uh, one of our great partners is Kirsch Insurance Group, and they are specialists in the Medicare arena. And we're currently in a period where if you have an Advantage plan, you can possibly make a change. There's some new plans out there, they said, that I think could save you money, which is always a great thing. It doesn't cost you anything to talk to Kirsch Insurance Group. So check them out. It's iKirsch.com. That's I-K-R-R-S-C-H.com. And they can certainly help you out. So we'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Would you have ever dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the Internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute, to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's KimMunson, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me 
at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Uh, another great partner of the show is Castlegate Knife and Tool. They're a family-owned business located right here in Sedalia, Colorado. And Helen Linnea Van Herkey, uh, they, they have knives from the best blade makers from throughout the world. And if you need to get a wedding gift, uh, Castlegate Knife and Tool is the place for you. Uh, if you're a groom and you'd like to get your a groomsman a gift, uh, Castlegate Knife and Tool is a great place to do that. Or if you're a sportsman or a collector, Castlegate Knife and Tool is the place for you. Check out their website. That is castlegate.com. Castlegate.com. Uh, we're going to go through some more headlines here. The first thing, Steve, is this is from The Hill, and it says that Biden is being pressured to cover COVID-19 tests through Medicare. And I guess it's the White House that's doing that. The White House is requiring private insurance companies to cover the cost of eight at-home COVID-19 tests per person each month. Now, I actually have not taken a COVID test, Steve, so I don't know what that entails. Uh, do you happen to know what kind of test that is? Only, <clears throat> excuse me, from uh, what we've been reading in this two years or two weeks to flatten the curve, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the the, the first one was the dreaded, uh, you know, that uh, sample, you know, via your nose, you know, type thing, jamming that thing way up there. And I guess that was so incredibly uncomfortable people were rebelling and they've come up with other methods of, of doing the test. Okay. Well, so apparently <clears throat> Biden has required uh, private insurance companies to do this, which had excluded Medicare. And so <clears throat> they said that's excluding 64 million older and disabled Americans. It's triggered a backlash. And so dozens of Democrat lawmakers and advocates have pressed the administration in recent days to change the rules. But the options to do so are limited, as Medicare typically doesn't cover at-home diagnostic tests. So this is going to open up a whole new um, funding challenge, I think, for Medicare. And, uh, I, gosh, I find it interesting. I mean, eight tests a month, that's a lot. I mean, can't if you feel bad, maybe you should... Up your your I'm I'm not a doctor, but I hear that upping your dosage of vitamin D and zinc can be helpful. But I just don't understand this constant testing. And then here we we see that it's going to be insurance companies that that are going to pay for it. Clearly, we're in the wrong business. We should have created some uh, diagnostic test on COVID and uh, then had the government require insurance providers to pay for it and then get Medicare to pay for it because somebody's making a lot of money on this, Steve. Well, as if Medicare is not stressed uh, enough as it is, now you add this more bureaucracy and money drain on top. Uh, Yes. And again, big business and big government, they really like each other a lot, producer Steve. Uh, let's go to the next one from the Epoch Times. And this is uh, a Canadian pre- premier said Saturday, the proof of vaccine requirement makes no sense and he will end it in the not too distant future. And this is Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe said in a statement that being vaccinated doesn't prevent one from getting the virus and the vaccine mandate makes no sense. He says, I want to be clear on how I feel about vaccines. I'm fully vaccinated with my booster shot. This did not prevent me from recently contracting COVID-19, but I believe it did keep me from becoming sick. Now, I know a lot of people say that, and it may be true, 
but we just don't have, um, I don't, to my knowledge, there's not really, uh, tests or, um, that have been done or what would that be? I'm missing the word, but, um, you know, where they've actually gone through and, 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 um, made sure, I guess, uh, help me out, Steve. I'm looking for the scientific word on that, but, but, um, uh, we don't know for sure that that's true. It may be true, but yet we do see that there are a number of vaccinated people here in Colorado that are in the hospital. And again, in my, uh, as I'm becoming cynical, it's like, well, where's the proof on that? But anyway, it says that he looks like he's going to uh, say that the that they're no longer going to have a vaccine mandate. And hats off to him for that, Producer Steve. Yeah, he uh, he flat out said it makes no sense. <clears throat> An unvaccinated trucker does not pose any greater risk of transmission than a vaccinated trucker. And he's making reference to the fact that the vaccines, the, the breakout rate is... Well, it's just gone right through the roof, and they're plainly not working. So, you know, my hat's off to this guy for, at least in his position, not being afraid to say it. Right. And the narrative that someone is less sick, it may be true. I just don't know that they've actually, you know, done the uh, the scientific testing on it to, to, to know for sure. But I am... Again, I'm, I'm all about informed consent. People can make their own decisions, and that is what is so important. And I uh, wanted to go to the next one, though. This is from fee.org. And the headline is, We Failed. Danish newspaper apologizes for its COVID coverage. And it says, This newspaper has apologized to its readers for not questioning the government's data and narrative more throughout the first two years of the pandemic. It's the Extra Blade, I think, founded in 1904, said it should have done more due diligence in examining the government's uh, data and in conclusions before reporting them. Wow. And they said, for, <laughs> yeah, I know. You saved the so, best one for last. Yeah, and well, this has been on your radar for the last few days, and so it's great that we can get to it. It says, for almost two years, we... The press and the population have been almost hypnotic, uh, uh, hypnotically preoccupied with the authorities' daily uh, reports, wrote uh, journalist Brian Weishart. The constant mental alertness has worn out tremendously on all of us. That is why we, the press, must take the stock of our own efforts, and we have failed. In this, uh, that went viral on Twitter, uh, Weichart suggested the newspaper should have been asking more questions about how public health officials were tabulating data. And he goes on to say, we have not been vigilant enough at the garden gate when the authorities were required to answer what it actually meant that people are hospitalized with Corona and not because of Corona, because it makes a difference, a big difference. Exactly. The official hospitalization numbers have been shown to be 27% higher than the actual figure of how many we're in the hospital simply because they have corona. We only know that now. Steve, this is really important. This is the first I, the first publication that I am aware of that has actually come out and been honest about what has uh, actually been the reporting over the last two years. Too bad it wasn't in the U.S. of A. I, I would have said when this story was first put out there that every news director, every uh, newspaper editor, uh, in the country should have been, I don't know, if you can't force people to read it or, or absorb information they're not interested in. But, man, what an admission. 
Well, it is. And I'm going to go on to say it says, of course, it is first and foremost, the authorities who are responsible for informing the corona should, for obvious reasons, um, this should have been published long ago. Journalists should have avoided adopting the state's rhetoric and narrative on vaccination and Denmark's hospitals, particularly the superlatives that accompanied them. Yes. The vac- yes. The vaccines are consistently referred to as our super weapon and our hospitals are called super hospitals. Nevertheless, these super hospitals are apparently maximally pressured, even though almost the entire population is armed with this super weapon. He continued, even children have been vaccinated on a huge scale, which has not been done in our neighboring countries. In other words, there is something here that does not deserve the term super, whether it's the vaccines, the hospitals, or the mixture of it all. It's every man's bid. But in any case, the authorities' communication to the population in no way deserves the term super. Okay. And now they're about to get in as this thing progresses, because we have been asking, where is the real fundamental journalism in the last two years or or more depending on where you how far you back want to you want to go and he addresses that here in terms of what journalism really should be he says journalism has an unusual capacity to serve as watchdog over those whose power and position most affect citizens Um, and explains it may also offer the american press institute explains it may also offer voice to the voiceless and we're talking about, uh, again, API. It says, for this reason, the API says it is imperative that journalists not become seduced by sources or intimidated by power. This means not simply regurgitating data and words of politicians and bureaucrats, but analyzing them critically. Throughout the pandemic, this often has not happened, and it's, not, and it, and it's a problem that goes well beyond Denmark. In the United States, media have tended to view the utterances of Dr. Anthony Fauci, the White House's top medical advisor, as kind of a gospel. And MSNBC's Nicole Wallace could have been speaking for many when she called herself a Fauci groupie. The NIH head has been featured on more magazine covers than can be easily counted, saw his life the topic of a Disney biopic, and has done no fewer than 400 media events, even though his role is not a public relations one. Most media have been shy to question or criticize Fauci despite his pandemic flip-flops and are content to take his words on faith. Some journalists even published or even appear to have published articles pushing back on narratives problematic to Fauci's public messaging at his request. Okay, Steve, it's remarkable. It is. And let's take a maybe a broad, even broader look. You and I are both, and I'm hoping all the listeners, are aware of this thing called the Great Reset. And Glenn Beck was talking about this the other day and talks about the fact that um, they even had a dress rehearsal back in like 2019, uh, you know, in their own little forum there over in uh, what, what country do they hang out, hang out in? The, uh, Klaus and his a, and his buddies. Yeah. What, um, so it's somewhere in Sweden. But they did this dress rehearsal in 2019, and they said, well, even let's envision maybe some type of biological situation arising and what our response would be. I look at this and thinking one of the things that was possibly suggested and mapped out was how do you get a hold of the media, whether it be print media or broadcast, you know, electronic media and get them to play ball with you? 
And we have just about a minute left, but yes, how do you get them to play ball? And they did get them to play ball because, um, because of dollars, I think. This whole thing with Joe Rogan and Spotify, though, with Spotify actually coming out with their disclaimer, if you will. And this has sent a, a big message to, to people regarding censoring voices. I hope Rogan stays really strong and continues to talk with all different kinds of people about these different issues. But that was a very interesting shot across the bow. Steve, we only have just a few seconds left. What's your final thought on all this? Well, uh, this last half hour, we've touched on several things that are, you know, again, how tightly we are wound these days as a result of what's been happening to us for the last two years. And now watching different things start to fall, like the the nonsense at CNN or even a, a Whoopi Goldberg who's pushing the limits and is actually being held accountable, at least for now. So it, it does look like things are changing. Well, and that's why we have to continue, as I say, uh, step into each day, step into the moment we were made for this time. Thank you so much for all of you joining us. Uh, Our quote for the end of the show is from Aristotle. He says, excellence is never an accident. It is always the result of high intention, sincere effort, and intelligent execution. It represents the wise choice of many alternatives. Choice, not chance determines your destiny. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. America.